millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Episode 8. My name is Carter Krishnayer, your host here on Ravel.tv. Thank World Soccer Talk for working with us on this show. And you can listen to us live at Ravel.tv or on demand here at Ravel.tv or World Soccer Talk. So the big topic of discussion the last 10 days or so in the world of football, or at least the world of football some of us live in, is that the sky is falling, Right. English clubs are not performing up to the level of expectations in Europe that they have. English clubs aren't winning in the Champions League. In some cases, they're not advancing out of the group stage of the Champions League. The Europa League has been a disaster for several English clubs. And English clubs need to perform better in Europe. That's a simple narrative, right? England's about to lose their fourth Champions League spot to Italy if results continue on the trajectory for both leagues that they are now, which, by the way, is far from guaranteed. A lot of alarmist rhetoric. So England needs to do better in Europe, English clubs. That's a simple narrative. That's what everybody wants to believe. That's what everyone wants to talk about right now. Because, of course, European football, continental football, is the gold standard. It's what you're judged on. Correct? It's what everybody believes. It's what everyone thinks. Or we're told to believe that. It's 2015. It's in 1975 when uh, English clubs had to win in Europe to get respect. Leeds United had to beat Bayern in that final, which, by the way, they probably should have. 1975 European Cup, 40 years ago. The officials got in the way. English football is in a different place than it was Not so long ago. Let's talk a little bit about what's happened on the European scene in the last 10 years. From 2005 to 2009, English clubs dominated European football. In fact, in 2007, 2008, and 2009, there was an English, there were three English clubs in the final four of the Champions League each season, every single year. English clubs during that period, if it wasn't in the final where they lost, 2007 Liverpool lost to Milan, 2009 Manchester United lost to Barcelona, 
Uh, Chelsea lost to Barcelona also in 2009, right? But that's, I think we put an asterisk next to that game. Any objective person puts an asterisk next to that two-leg tie. Some awful officiating. We complain about officiating a lot. Off the charts, bad officiating. Four penalty shots for Chelsea. Three of them clear-cut. Denied. English clubs, with the exception of those finals, did not lose to a non-English club in, the, in any of those tournaments. English clubs that were eliminated before the final lost to other English clubs. England's domination of Europe was, was complete, and this is kind of uh, a great metaphor in the post-colonial world, right? Because I think we all know that England has a bit of an inferiority complex. Some of the people who write about the sport in England have an inferiority complex with the continent. A lot of people around football in England have an inferiority complex with, with the power sides from the continent and the stylish football that is played and advocated by, by those uh, who support Barcelona, who support Real Madrid at times, the Galactico culture. So, I mean, English, uh, European football mattered a lot to English clubs. It mattered from 1968 when uh, Busby's Babes won that European ch uh, championship, won that European uh, a cup. To 1985, the Heisel disaster, Liverpool was going for their fifth European title in nine years, nine seasons that night at Heisel in, in Brussels. On the stadium, well, we know what happened. English clubs were then banned from Europe for a period of time. But it was important for English clubs and British clubs. I mean, Celtics win in the European Cup over Inter a few years prior to, um, to Manchester United's was so critical for developing the brand of English football or British football and the importance, the relevance of the British clubs on the global scene. And then we know once Liverpool started winning in Europe, I, I mentioned Leeds should have won in, uh, in 75. They were denied by some real dodgy officiating. Manchester United, as, as we talked about, won in, in 68. The, the Cup Winners' Cup, which was another major competition at the time. Manchester City, Chelsea, they won those uh, in the early 70s. They won that competition, beating some of the top established European clubs, continental clubs. Then Liverpool's dominance came. Followed shortly by Brian Clough and, Not and Nottingham Forest, back-to-back -back European Cup winners, 79 and 80. Aston Villa beat Bayern Munich in a final. So that takes us to Heisel. English football at that point, the clubs in England, or, and in, not to mention all the success in the UEFA Cup, the second-tier competition of Spurs. A lot of success in, in, in uh, that second-tier competition. England had established itself. Following Heisel, following really the malaise of the 1980s, the, the, the depressing times, just in English society in general, the collapse of the empire, I think it became very important for the English ethos or the British ethos in general for English clubs to do well in Europe. 1999, Fergie, comeback. David Beckham's two corner kicks overhauls that, that uh, Bayern league. At the time, Otmar Hitzfeld, he had just won the Champions League with uh, Borussia Dortmund a few years earlier. He was looking to uh, be the first manager to win 
a Champions League with two two different clubs in the same country within a two year period, three season period, and uh, he was so close. There was this new confidence, this renewed buoyancy, and a sense of arrogance that crept in. English clubs had to do well in Europe to continue to prove the importance of the English game, the value of the English game, the quality of the teams in England and the players that were being attracted to the Premier League, previously the European First, uh, the English First Division, now the Premier League, versus those other clubs, versus the, the, the top brands in Europe. There was a lot of feeling that the Premier League clubs had to prove themselves to be bigger than the Juventuses, the Milans, the Bayerns, even the big clubs in Portugal, the Portos and the Benficas, sporting less so, and obviously Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern and Germany, and even the likes of PSV and Ajax from, from Holland. Guess what? The English clubs proved that between 2005 and 2009. They absolutely proved that. 2011 was uh, well, 2010 was really kind of the beginning of the uh, the decline of English clubs. 2011 in in Europe. 2011 was uh, an interesting one. Obviously, Barcelona they get the tag of greatest club ever from some folks because they won in 2006 in the final when when Jens Lehmann got sent off for Arsenal. They won in 2009. The theft at Stanford Bridge I alluded to earlier. They won in 2011 when Arsenal probably beats them if Robert Van Persie doesn't get one of the most inane second yellows you will ever see. That's if Van Persie knew what he was doing. I don't even know if he knew what he was doing because it was so loud at the Camp Nou. And uh, he got a second yellow and got sent off for, uh, for, for time wasting. I mean, I guess that's what he got sent off for. So I think, I think a lot of even the Barcelona myth of this great club was built on the unfortunate failures of English clubs at a time when everybody around the continent were ganging up on English clubs. Everybody in the continental media, a lot of journalists in Britain who wanted to, act, wanted to seem more sophisticated or continental, say, you know, Chelsea, they're not playing the right way. You need to play like Barcelona. Or you don't deserve to win. You have a moral obligation to play like Barcelona or you don't deserve to win. How could Chelsea play the way they, uh, uh, they did in, the, in, in 2012 when they did win the Champions League under Roberto Di Matteo? How could they play that way and get away with it? Apologies for the dog barking. He's fired up about this topic also. But how could they get away with their immoral style of play. So this became the narrative, right? When British clubs won something in Europe, they weren't better because Barcelona was playing the right way or Bayern now under Pep plays the right way or Real Madrid has better, more stylish players. So British clubs could never win. English clubs could never win the argument. They could never win the debate. There are football elites, and this is what I'm going to get to shortly, and we're going to talk about the economic realities of European competition for English clubs. There are football elites who will never accept clubs from Britain Never accept managers from Britain, never accept players from Britain as part of football aristocracy. 
Oh, they might say nice things about David Beckham every once in a while or Steven Gerrard. They might have said nice things about Georgie Best back in the day. But they still, they wouldn't compare Georgie Best from Northern Ireland favorable, favorably with a similar player from Holland, would they? No. So, so much of the quest to do well in Europe has been to satisfy the insecurities of English soccer fans, in, uh, people in the British press, and those around the game in, in, in England, who... They're never going to satisfy those people. They're always going to make snide comments. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, if, if, if you legislate, there's this talk that, well, uh, the English game is too physical, it's too brutish. But yet when you legislate against someone like Diego Costa, uh, you enforce rules, standards of decency that weren't enforced on him in Spain. Then people say, well, they're just whining in England. Why is everyone in England whining about Costa? Yet, some of those same people would condemn English football for being too brutish if the way he played in Spain were the way he played in England without consequence. So, anyway, it's not about Diego Costa. We are talking about the UEFA Champions League. We are talking about European competition. And we're talking about why, in 2015, not 1985, not 1975, and not even 2005, when the miracle of Istanbul took place and Liverpool won their fifth European Cup, this really shouldn't matter for English clubs. It's 2015. English football is more popular than European football all over the planet. Okay? There, there are people who, who, who pay attention to football in the far-flung areas of Africa and Asia and parts of Canada and Australia, here in the United States, when the World Cup is on. And those who watch it more regularly than every four years, chances are, if they're paying attention to a domestic competition, they're probably not even paying attention to the domestic competition in their own country. They're paying attention to what's going on every weekend in England and in Wales now. Swansea City's an established Premier League side. They're not paying attention to what goes on in those other domestic leagues in Europe. They're not really paying attention that much to what goes on midweek in the middle of the afternoon in the United States and Canada. In the middle of the night in Australia. In the middle of the work week in China. Yeah, there are people who love Barcelona and love Messi and love Real Madrid, love Ronaldo, that are watching that. But I think, I mean, I've learned a lot even in the last six weeks. Bundesliga, which I believe is actually probably at this point in time, this season, maybe not next season, because we're going to talk about why England is, is pulling ahead of everybody and why Europe doesn't matter. But right now, at this point in time, I think the Bundesliga is probably a better league than the Premier League, top to bottom. I think it's the best league in the world. Quality of football is better than the Premier League in Germany right now. Yet, the Bundesliga is getting ratings so low on American television up against the Premier League that you would think my cat here just stepped on the remote control and turned the television on. That's how low. I mean, it could be that low. That is how low the ratings are for the Bundesliga. That's how irrelevant that league is in this country. That's how irrelevant Bayern is. Right? The club that is better than any club in England right now. The club that has 
this great sense of entitlement and produced all these guys who won the World Cup last summer. That club gets less viewers in this country than Swansea City, who I just mentioned from Wales, or gets less viewers in this country than AFC Bournemouth, a team whose stadium seats 13,000 people on a team that almost fell out of the professional ranks in England just six seasons ago. Those of you who watched Roger Bennett's uh, piece or listened to NPR's uh, feature on Bournemouth, on the Cherries, uh, Roger Bennett's piece on NBC, I guess it was a, a NBC Sports download, Premier League download, know that. At the time when Jurgen Klinsmann, the current U.S. manager, was managing Bayern, this huge brand, Landon Donovan was playing for them, arguably the greatest American player ever. Bournemouth was about to fall out of the professional ranks. Now, six years later, they have more people watching their games in this country when they're on NBC, SN, or on USA Network than are watching Bayern Munich. The Premier League matters more than European competition for most people, for many people. Now, in football elite circles, it doesn't. I mean, to impress the editors at La Marca or Gazzetta della Sport or those who write for these football publications we have here in the States, you have to beat Real Madrid in Champions League. You got to beat Barcelona. But even if you do, it'll be, well, Chelsea, they're really negative. They're playing, they, they, they're the English team. They're playing too negatively. John Terry's not a world-class player. But the equivalent player at Bayern or, or Barcelona, of course, is a world-class player. I, I don't want to get into PK versus JT, but, um, right? There's this double standard. That's my point. So, at this stage, I would say English clubs have other considerations. Now, yeah, Stephen, I, I, I get your point. Stephen, uh, leave your comments here. 920000 for the Augsburg match on NFL Sunday. That's great. That was a tape delay game. They got 50,000 people watching that game live. Four years ago, when the Premier League was not really getting promoted in this country and, and Fox threw on games, Premier League games that were taped, that had taken place the previous day, they'd get twice as many viewers. In some cases, even more than that. So... That's that, 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 that's the thing. I, I agree, Robert. Uh, you, you say Fox never promoted the Bundesliga until the week before it started. I completely agree. In fact, I've talked about this, where I think Fox, had they tried to develop the kind of bumper programming that NBC did around the Premier League, and they started it in the middle of the summer, and they, they, went, they built right in, maybe it would be a little different. But the point remains... I mean, we can make excuses, but the point remains that the Premier League, these clubs in the Premier League are now becoming brands. Look, I, I'm, I'm using it as metaphorically Bournemouth versus Bayern. Of course, there are more people wearing Bayern kids in the U.S. But of course, there are more people who've heard of Bayern in the U.S. But is Bayern now, right now at this point more popular than Everton or Tottenham? Not even to mention Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, or Chelsea. I mean, Liverpool is much more popular than Bayern in this country. So I don't think that's even a, a discussion point. I don't think we can have that discussion. But I think at this point, from what I see, the next tier of club in terms of support, Tottenham, Everton, Manchester City, I'd put those three in that tier. 
are probably more popular than Bayern. If you then jump to Newcastle, Sunderland, Aston Villa, maybe not yet. And Newcastle and Sunderland both. Well, those are, I think, the bottom three clubs in the Premier League right now, those three clubs. But uh, I, they, will not, uh, they will not all get relegated. I don't think Aston Villa will get relegated. Sunderland, Newcastle, it's probably about time for Sunderland to go down. But I, we're not having that conversation tonight. That's for another day. Um, you know, winning, winning European glory might win English clubs respect again. Or it won't, because they'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll say things. They'll make condescending, snarky comments about English clubs, right? For some reason, the greatness of Steven Gerrard is not put at the same level as the greatness of an equivalent player who played for Barcelona or Real Madrid. I mean, I heard comments here in this country from those football elites when Gerrard came to uh, sign with the Galaxy. Well, Steven Gerrard, that's just to satisfy these Anglophiles like me. Right? I'm an Anglophile. Now, who wants to see that guy? He doesn't really, he doesn't have the quality. He doesn't have the technical skill. All he can do is play long balls. <laughs> I laugh when I hear this stuff. I'm sorry. Steven Gerrard, all he can do is play long balls. He's not a cultured footballer. Stevie G's not cultured. Oh, he never did it in the World Cup. You know, there are all these, there are all these narratives with English players. Not to get too far afield, but again, winning respect from some of those uh, masses, the chattering classes in... Uh, the elites on the European continent and here in the United States and the same people in Australia and same people, there are people all over the world like that. There are people who want to put an asterisk next to, uh, to Chelsea's victory over Barcelona in 2012 because they didn't play the right way. It was immoral the way they played. But they won't put an asterisk next to Barcelona's win over Chelsea in 2009, which was on the backs of four penalty shouts, three of which were clear-cut penalties. No, I don't condone the way Michael Bollock and Didier Drogba went after the official after that overboot. Well, he's a terrible official, never should have managed another high-level game. But I don't condone Bollock, basically, hounding the guy. Coming close to assaulting him, it felt like. But there are people who will say that was a just result because of the way they played. And yeah, Goose Heating... They got the goal earlier from early from Essien, and uh, they didn't they didn't play to get another goal until other than these penalty shots, right? They they weren't as progressive in their place they should have been, especially considering Eric Abidal had been sent off for Barcelona. They pulled Drogba off, which was a mistake. I mean, you could get into all that, but again, the point is there is a double standard when it comes to to, to judging English clubs. Or they do it entirely with foreign players. So if Bayern wins the Champions League this year, even though Germany is the reigning world champions, Müller, Lahm, Neuer is the goalkeeper. Easy to have a German goalkeeper. They produce such great goalkeepers. Who else is a significant German player in that club right now? Pep Guardiola has turned it into a, a, a mini Barcelona. But I guess that's the right way to do it, unless an English club does it, because then there's just this resentment. So let's get to that. Let's get to the money issue. English clubs are buying up all the players. This is what we hear. This is what we read. All these guys are going to England. And it's terrible. They're spending so much money in the English game and the poor Continentals. 
They're not. They're not able to to compete. Well, let, let, let's 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 establish this because there's so much money in the English game, so much TV money. It is impossible now in England for big clubs to hoard players. Chelsea tried with John Stones, tried to get him from Everton. Now, if that had been in, in, in Germany, not only would uh, Bayern have said, you hand the player over to us, the media in Germany would have been behind Bayern. Now, how dare Jurgen Klopp not sell such and such? to Bayern. Guy needs to advance his career. He needs to go to Bayern. He needs to go to the biggest club. But see, in England, it's not like that anymore. There's TV money at all these clubs. I'll get back to that, to that in a minute because that's an important thing to establish why we're where we are now. But I think maybe I jumped ahead of a point here. Financial fair play. It is a system that I am convinced you know, there might have been some noble intentions about this, about, about why it was created. The, the, you know, the, 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 the way they, they, they've created financial fair play was to benefit certain clubs and to, to, to lock in an aristocracy in Europe. Now, that would probably include one or two English clubs, quite frankly. That would probably include Manchester United. Might include Liverpool. Although Liverpool's commercial revenues, it's tough with Liverpool because they're in, they're in a city where economically it's not, it's difficult. But it's certainly, Manchester United can charge a lot for tickets and they, 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 they generate a lot of commercial revenues. Arsenal does too. Arsenal charges up the wazoo for tickets. But... It is locked in a system where Bayern will always be able to spend more money and generate more revenue and have a deeper squad than most than any other club in Germany. It's locked in a system where Barcelona and Real Madrid will always have a deeper squad and be able to spend more money and generate more commercial revenue than any other club in Spain, making the potential for clubs to, to for, for investors to buy other clubs in those those leagues, not so lucrative. Of course, Germany has rules about foreign ownership, which I, which I respect. I mean, if we could go back and start this over again, I think maybe we shouldn't. We should, England should be restricting foreign ownership, and I think maybe the United States could have taken a look at that. We have a lot of foreign owners now in the United States. We have a uh, uh, we have several clubs in this country, in all our divisions that are owned by uh, for, foreign investors. In fact, we have five professional clubs in the state of Florida, where I sit. Three of them are owned by f foreigners and people who don't generally live in this country or come and go. Because, uh, by the way, you might say, well, no, it's only two. It's only Fort Lauderdale and Miami FC. Orlando's majority owner is, is Flavio De Silva. It's not Phil Rollins. Phil Rollins is great. He's English, obviously. He's a board member at Stoke. But he's, he's now lived in between us. Uh, the Austin area and the Orlando area for, for a long time. But he's not the owner. He's the president of the team. He's not the majority owner. So maybe foreign ownership is a problem in the United States too. But it is where we're at and we're growing the game. England has accepted foreign ownership. Germany, I, I, I respect the integrity of the sport there. But the point is that 
Financial fair play has locked in a Euro European aristocracy. You're going to see the same teams competing at a high level in Champions League every year. Maybe PSG now will generate enough commercial revenue to where they can break that glass ceiling of the three clubs. The three clubs plus Manchester United, because Manchester United, when they get it going again, will probably be in that. It'll be those four clubs. Uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, Manchester United. Juventus can't generate the commercial revenues anymore. Nor can the Milan clubs. They can't compete. In this world, they can't compete either to win European Cups regularly. Juventus, great run last season. And much like Allegri's first season at Milan, he had a really good team that, that maximized the guys they had. But then they lose Vidal. They lose Pirlo. Tevez. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's difficult to keep these teams together unless you're one of those three teams. So I think English clubs, the other English clubs other than Manchester United are already at a disadvantage under financial fair play. There are ways to exploit the system like Manchester City and Chelsea have done, sign a lot of guys at 15 and 16 from the continent, develop them and then sell them on, sell them back to the continent. I was taught chatting with um, – assistant coach here of Fort Laurel Strikers, my local club, Raul Voss yesterday, he's German. And Raul said to me, you know, it's great what some of these English clubs do. They're buying all these kids up from Austria and Germany and Portugal and, and France at a young age. You're developing them, and then they're sending them back to the continent, and they're getting good development in England, and then they're, they're, they're ready to play for our national teams. It's interesting. I'm re reading uh, – I don't want to get too into this. I'm reading Honigstein's – Raphael Honigstein's book now about uh, the German Revolution national team. And he, talk, and he has a, a whole portion on Thomas Hitzelsberger, who went to Aston Villa at a very young age, as I think folks remember, and was kind of frozen out of the German side because of that. And then Jurgen Klinsmann comes in and says, well – this guy is getting like di is getting different kinds of trainings at Villa than what Klinsmann considered to be kind of a backwards system at most of the Bundesliga clubs. There were exceptions. Bayern was not one of the exceptions then, though. So he brings Hitzelsberger back in the team, and he was very good for Germany at that point. But even at that, that point in time, 2004, Aston Villa was able to go out and get a, a young promising German player. So that's happening. And, 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 and so the English clubs are selling these guys back, particularly Manchester City and Chelsea, to continental clubs and making a profit on the players and then balancing their books. This is what Manchester City's done this year. I don't know that there's been much written about the number of youth players Manchester City has sold. Kareem Reykjik, who, sold, who scored this week for Marseille, the game against Lyon. Marcos Lopes, Ronnie Lopes. Juan Angel Pozo, and several other guys in the, over the course of the last uh, last few years, but those three this summer, and, and all three of those guys are, went for pretty good money. I mean, in fact, it was pretty. It was funny. Lo, uh, Lopes sold for nine million pounds, and someone I, I said, "This is too bad. This is the guy that we really thought was promising. He's 19." And said, how could you complain about selling a 19-year-old who's never played a single Premier League match for your club who you got for free? How can you complain about that? That's how you balance the books, right? That's how Man City can spend a gazillion 
pounds on uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling. You keep flipping these guys that you don't that you get on freeze and you have on on low wages, and then you sell them for nine million pounds a couple years later. Pozo went for something very high too, and uh, the next one might be Patrick Roberts, whose city flips in a couple of years. So he's English, so they maybe will sell him for forty million. You know the way the market is in England. But anyway, so. Let's talk about the TV money in England because this is really important. There is more at stake. It's, diffi it's difficult for English clubs because there is so much more at stake TV-wise um, that there is a lot more riding on winning matches domestically for English clubs. Now, this is not the case for clubs in their domestic leagues. It is much more lucrative for FC Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, those three clubs. Well, let's not even, actually, let's not even talk about those three clubs. It's much more lucrative for Juventus and for PSV and for Dinamo Zagreb, the three clubs that beat English clubs last week in Champions League. Much more lucrative for them to win games midweek in Champions League and advance the Champions League monetarily as a part, as a percentage of their overall budget, their overall revenue, than it would be to take the game the previous Saturday or Sunday in their domestic league or the following Saturday or Sunday in their domestic league as seriously. But yet, in England, you don't have that luxury because of the amount of money in the domestic game. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, People say, well, European competition should always come first on the merits because it is Europe. It is continental. It is the – it is what you're judged on in this sport, according to some, according to many. But simple financial realities dictate this stuff. There is more money domestically to be won by English clubs in the English league, in the Premier League, than there is in Europe. It's far more important for West Ham United – to get a win against Arsenal on the first game of the season, 38-match season, first, first match at the Emirates, than to qualify for the group stages of the Europa League. But for the club they're playing, it's the opposite. For the club Arsenal played last week, Dinamo Zagreb, their game at the weekend didn't mean quite as much. It wasn't as lucrative as the match that Arsenal was playing against Chelsea. Although I will say Dinamo Zagreb, it's a little bit of an, an outlier because in those leagues, you have to win your league and then qualify through to make the European Cup, make the Champions League as we call it now. So their, their domestic games are important because they have to win their league. But Juventus doesn't have to win their league. They can finish in the top three in Italy and still have the payday in, 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 in Champions League. So that, that's, that's really where we're at. So in England, you've got clubs now that are getting top players. Not teams that are not in Champions League. I mean, we keep hearing this thing. Well, if, if, if England loses a Champions League spot, not as many top players will come to the, to the league. And the top players all want to play in Champions League. That's where it's at. They have to play in Champions League. They're not going to sign for a club that's in Europa League or not in Europe, which I already thought that was a load of bunk because I saw the year Bayern loaded up after um, – after, uh, 
they, they, they had a, they, they didn't even qualify for Champions League after the 06-07 season. They were in, in the old UEFA Cup. And that was the year they brought in Ribery and Luca Toni. So Ribery leaves Leon, who's always in Champions League, or Marseille, where was he? But anyway, he, he, he signs with Bayern, and he basically, to, for a team that doesn't play in Champions League the next year. Yes, they were Bayern. They were offering higher wages, is the point. Luca Toni left Italy and came to uh, Bayern. They weren't in Champions League. Same thing happened when Manchester City started loading up. Rubinho left Real Madrid, always in Champions League. For Manchester City, you weren't even in Europe that year. The following year, a bunch, uh, two years later, David Silva. Yaya Torre leaves Barcelona to join Manchester City. Barcelona had, uh, was the, the elite club in Europe at the time, everyone said. One greatest club ever. Manchester City was in the Europa League that year. This year, you see all these guys signing with Liverpool who are in the Europa League. But that's not it. That's not just, that, that, let's not stop there. Guys don't want to play in – top players don't want to play at clubs that aren't in Champions League. You, to get the top players, you have to be in Champions League. You have to, attri- you have to give them that midweek game on the continent with some long travel, right? So why would Shakiri, who won the Champions League, started the Champions League final for Bayern against – Borussia Dortmund a few seasons ago was an integral part of Jeff Heinkens' team. He might have started the game against uh, Chelsea the previous year, too. I can't remember if he did. But uh, a guy that was a critical player for Bayern those two years under Heinkens, not so much under Pep, not really Pep's kind of player. Why would he sign with Stoke City? Who's never going to be in Champions League? Why would Johan Kabay, who's a French international, who, who often starts for the French national team, they're going to be hosting the Euros next summer. And he wants to start for France in the Euros. So why would he leave PSG, who's always in Champions League, who always wins the French League, to sign for Crystal Palace? Again, we're not talking Liverpool, Manchester United, or Arsenal. We're talking Crystal Palace. Because he wants to play, and there's more money in the English game. And he needs to play in order to play for his national team, start for his national team next summer when they host the Euros. And when they're one of the favorites, along with uh, Germany, Spain, and Belgium. Those would be the four favorites. I think Belgium is going to win the tournament. I've gone on record saying that, but uh, obviously France is hosting it, so they're, they're one of the favorites, and they have a good team. Why would Gorkin Inler leave Napoli to go to Leicester City, who barely avoided relegation last season? Again, the money in English football is so great, the visibility is so great around the world, eyeballs, and the transfer market within England, and this is not necessarily a good thing, but this is a reality. We're dealing with realities here. I'm not necessarily saying it's a good thing English clubs aren't doing well in Europe. It's not a good thing that English clubs are, 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 are playing this game and hoarding and uh, flipping players. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily advocating that. But what I, am at, what I am saying is let's deal in reality here. English clubs have an inordinate amount of money because of the TV deals. The transfer market in England is more inflated value-wise. There's more money flowing around English football. So if you get in, get to an English club, even a club that might get relegated, you're in England. You're in that domestically. The eyeballs are on you. It is easy then to get a transfer to a bigger to, to, to another big English club. 
than if you're outside the league. So this theory, top players don't want to play for clubs that aren't in Europe or chasing trophies. That's that's old logic. Or actually, I don't know. Maybe that's just non-English logic. Maybe that, that's the way it is in the rest of the leagues. Um, if you're enjoying this, this, this rabble cast, if you call it, this rant by me, uh, some of you might be, most of you probably aren't because, uh, and, and again, I'm dealing with reality. I'm not, I'm not trying to advocate a moral position here. The moral position would be to compete hard in Europe. But if you're enjoying this, please take some time out to thank our sponsor of this show, Rabble.tv. If you're not familiar with Rabble, it's a completely new way of experiencing sports on TV, and you should be familiar with Rabble because all across the board now, we're seeing Rabble casts for tennis, golf, soccer, college football. It's great for college football, baseball, and soccer leagues across the world. I'm not just talking about England and European football. There's a lot of good stuff going on NASL-wise, MLS-wise, USL-wise. I, I even have an NASL show here on Rabble. But the concept is simple. The next time you want to watch your favorite soccer team or sports team, but you don't think the announcers are very good or they're biased against your team, press the mute button, head on over to Rabble.tv, and listen to a real fan's audio broadcast of the game. And if there isn't one available, it takes two seconds to create one. You just sign up, and then you create a broadcast, and you go. With Rabble, you can listen to broadcasts through your desktop, through your iOS app, or now through your mobile browser. By the way, I did that on Safari the other day listening to the Blackpool show that they have here on Rabble. Really cool. I listened to it on Safari on my iPhone. Really, really cool. That was uh, Monday or Tuesday. And Blackpool FC, is a, that's a sad case. We're not going to get into Blackpool, but just wanted to use that as an example. You can join in the conversation, as so many of you have done today, like Stephen Brandt, who, who's, who's fantastic. Yellow carded podcast is one to listen to uh, by posting your questions or observations in the comment section. So take a moment to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible and head over to rabble.tv where it's your team and it's your call. So getting back to this, to this subject, I'm not necessarily advocating a moral position. I'm advocating a reality, a position of reality. I think it is economic reality that the EPL, the Premier League, is a behemoth. It is an economic juggernaut across the board, not the top three or four teams, which means the top three or four teams, they can't take weekends off. They can't rotate squads. They don't have a league that rearranges games for them either. I mean, I remember when Leon and Bordeaux went deep in the Champions League a couple of years ago and uh, Liga 1 was rearranging games for them. Bordeaux had like three or four games in hand by the time their run in Champions League was over because they kept, they kept moving games from them. That, it doesn't work that way in England. And you've got a situation now where there's so much money at stake by staying in the league, by staying in the division, by having success. And there's so much, there's such high salary wages being paid to guys at second tier and third tier clubs in England, not, not second division and third division clubs, but second, the, the, the next tier of teams within the Premier League, the, the next two tiers of teams, that it is almost, it is becoming less and less likely that clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City and Manchester United and Arsenal can raid those team clubs. We saw it with Stones. We might see it with Ross Barkley soon. 
We've seen it with a number of guys. Barry Hino. I mean, two years ago, West, West Brom sells Barry Hino to Spurs. There's no question in my mind he, he said they sell Barry Hino. Now they're in a position where West Brom wasn't always stable to a Premier League club. And, and economically, the West Midlands is not – it's kind of an economic basket case relative to other parts of the country. But, so West Brom, Aston Villa, they don't, they don't necessarily have the commercial revenues that clubs of their size should, uh, those two massive clubs in that part of the world. But still, they have enough money in their coffers now, TV money, recognition, most of it global TV money. I use the domestic package. That they could say no, Barahino, we we we've had he's been at our club since he was ten years old. We're not selling him. Okay, sorry, Spurs. You used to be able to bully us. Similar situation, let's say, happens in Germany. There's a guy at at uh, there's a guy at at Borussia Mönchengladbach, and Bayern says we're coming in for him. We have to have him. We need him. You know he's getting sold. Jurgen Klopp was, was one manager who, who tried to hold out against that bullying. Couldn't do it. Same deal in Spain. Now, of course, there are better quality footballers in Spain. Better players coming through the youth system. So Valencia, Villarreal, Sevilla can keep replenishing the guys who come through their system and, and flip them uh, when, when, when the top clubs take their players. I mean, remember when Valencia had Villa... Silva and Mata on that same on the same team, that was a great team. But of course, they had to sell all three of those guys. It's the way it works in that league. They were going to keep those guys. Think about how many strikers Athleti has gone through: Forlan, Aguero, Falcao, Costa. They've all moved on to greener pastures, or what, what we thought were greener pastures. Hasn't worked out for Falcao because of his injury, but. That, that's what happens in those leagues. So maybe the competitiveness of England, and I, again, I think the German league is a better league right now. I think the Bundesliga is a more competitive league. I think the Bundesliga has some more variety in its top six. But the visibility of the Premier League is higher, and the TV money that, the, that Premier, each Premier League club is going to get is so disproportionate to the other clubs uh, around Europe, including the Bundesliga, that that, that, that condition is going to change. Last season, the bottom five clubs in the Premier League generated more revenue domestically. And I say domestically because uh, I'll, I'll, say, I'll tell you why in a minute. Than the top five clubs in Italy. Now, of course, Juventus generated a ton of revenue because they went on that great run in the Champions League. They got to the Champions League final. But domestically, within their domestic league, they generated less revenue. Juventus, the old lady, the massive club. Turin, one of the gold standard names in world football, world club football, generate less revenue than than Leicester City did in the Premier League, in their domestic league. They generated less revenue than a club domestically like Burnley who got relegated. I mean, it, it really is staggering when you think of it that way. And that, that gulf is just going to grow. So, of course, with that having been said, you could make the, the, the case that English clubs should, should compete hard in Europe because they have these embarrassment of riches. But, of course, they have to compete with one another within their league. 
the gap in terms of spending power between Chelsea and Manchester City, Arsenal, uh, Manchester United at the top end. Manchester United's wage bill is really inflated. Okay, I, I will give you that. I've looked at the wage bills in England. Cities and Chelsea's have come down because of financial fair play, but United's is still really high. It's still at kind of the level of a Bayern or a, a Barcelona or Real Madrid. But I think eventually there'll be some, some, some evening out of that. The gap between Manchester United spending and maybe uh, wage bill, let's look at wage bills, not a transfer fees, and the team that finishes 17th in the Premier League this season will not be the same kind of gap, anywhere close to the same kind of gap as the team that finishes 17th in Spain and the club that wins the Spanish League, whether it's Barcelona or Real Madrid. Unless it's athletic again, which I don't think it will be this season. In Germany, it's been interesting because uh, Hamburg, HSV Hamburg, fallen on really hard times. Stuttgart on really hard times. Bremen, really hard times. So those three clubs have been fighting relegation the last few years. So maybe Germany is a little more more like what England would be. But I mean, I think in, in leagues like Spain or Italy or France, there is no way Sunderland and Newcastle would be in the relegation conversation ever, ever, unless they match fixed and got docked points. So anyway, love the interaction here. I, I know you, you all have some great, um, some great, great comments. Um, so uh, Robert, uh, just real quickly responding to some comments before we wrap this up. I think um, and good point, by the way, about the Premier League beginning to play that Friday night game with this new TV package, and, and maybe that changes things because Bundesliga and France both have the Friday night games, which I love, by the way. Uh, the Bundesliga Friday night game has been really a good game to watch for years because they put they have put a high profile game on Friday nights, and hopefully Fox continues to show those on. Uh, FS1 or FS2 for the viewing audience in the United States and not on Fox Soccer Plus, but and maybe ratings will dictate that. Um, but you, you asked about the Bundesliga changing next season. What I think, what I mean by that is I think what will happen is because there's going to be so much more spending with the mid-level clubs in England that because of this TV package, we're already seeing it with the, with the guys I mentioned, the Shakiris and the Kabais and the Inlers going to really kind of unfancy clubs in England. I mean, Crystal Palace was almost out of business five years ago. I know that about that personally because we dealt with it at the NASL because we had an affiliate club of theirs in Baltimore in this country. And we would, that, that club could, didn't even have the bills. They couldn't even pay the bills for the rest of the season. And now, um, and they've never really kind of sustained a, a run in the top flight. Now they've stayed up for a few seasons and all of a sudden they can buy Kabai. We talked about Shakiri and Inler, right? Going to big clubs also. My point is that I think right now, top to bottom, the Bundesliga is the best league in the world. I would say the Premier League second, Spain third. The thing that is going to happen next season, Robert, is that I think there's so much TV money in England. and So many guys that are willing to say, I don't need to play in Champions League. I don't need to play in Europa League. I want to play on the big stage on the weekends, get, this, get higher wages at places like Stoke City, and Leicester City, Leicester, you wouldn't think of these, these industrial cities in the, the Midlands and the north of England, these, these, these godforsaken places, a lot of people would say. They'd rather go there and be in the shop window so that they get bought by a big English club or just get, they get higher wages than, uh, than be in, in, at mid-level clubs in Germany or, or, or Spain or, or Italy or wherever. And I think what that means is in time you're going to have 
the Bundesliga fall to second and the Premier League to first in terms of overall competitiveness, competitiveness uh, top to bottom. Is there any chance a Premier League club will be better than Bayern in the next five seasons, uh, the top Premier League club? It's possible, but it's highly unlikely. I mean, if you took the Bayern team, they in, in, put them in the Premier League, they would win it easily. You put Manchester City in, uh, who's leading the Premier League now, you put them in Germany, they wouldn't win it. They wouldn't win the Spanish League. They finished third. Chelsea won the Premier League last season, would have finished second in, in Germany. They would have finished second in France. They would have finished third, uh, third or fourth in Spain. They would have finished second in, in Italy. But the, I, as time goes on, I think even if those top clubs in those leagues are better, the balance is still there in England. Uh, I know, I'm not sure Manchester City would have finished second in any, City finished second in the Premier League. I'm not sure City would have finished second in any of those leagues. City went to finish second in Germany. I'll tell you, Wolfsburg was better than Manchester City last season. Certainly went to finish second in Spain. Probably would have finished second in France. Italy? Uh, maybe. So um, we're going to wrap up now. Robert, another great point about uh, the, the, the winter break. And I, I think that that's, that's an issue for English clubs in Europe, but that's also an issue for the English national team. As the, their entire national team plays in, in the Premier League, you've got a situation where these guys are coming to the Euros and to the World Cup, and they're not fresh, and they're really worn down. So it's, uh, that, that's a problem. I, I don't think that'll ever be addressed because again the commercial considerations of the Premier League trump anything related to the England national team at this point point. and you know what this is a conversation for another day and we've had a lot of shows on uh, American soccer already on this on diaries and sheets we're getting to that point in the U.S. where it seems like the commercial interests of Major League Soccer are more important to the U.S. Soccer Federation and to people around the game the commercial interests and the reputation of Major League Soccer are more important than anything else including the success of the national team, the long-term prognosis for the national team. Jürgen Klinsmann isn't getting the best results, but you think he'd be under as much pressure as he is if he hadn't made the comments about MLS he did? And if he didn't feel as strongly about changing the system as he did? So think about it. Commercial interests of clubs are coming above the commercial interests or the, the welfare, player welfare interests of national teams. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for participating tonight. It's been great on Divers and Cheats. It's a wonderful show. It's an interactive show. We've done eight of these. We're going to continue to bring these to you every Thursday night. I want to thank Rabble.tv and World Soccer Talk uh, and all of you that participated, Robert, Stephen, and others tonight. And Stephen Brandt, in case he hasn't heard yet, you might want to listen, watch the Strikers game this weekend against Minnesota. Our buddy Thomas Rogan is going to be on the broadcast. So, uh, Stephen, please watch the Strikers in Minnesota on Saturday night from Lockhart Seating. Big game in the NASL, too. Two teams that are fighting for uh, position in the NASL postseason. So, once again, I believe that economic realities and the situation in 2015 trumps any other consideration, and that means English clubs have to focus on the domestic game first and then the European game second. Would I necessarily want it that way? No, I want to see English clubs compete hard in, in Europe. But it's not what I want. It's not what we believe is morally right. Again, it's not what we believe is morally right. Barcelona is this great mouth-watering footballing side. 
but Chelsea, and Chelsea parked the bus, but Chelsea beat them. Chelsea, in fact, Barcelona has not won in their last seven games against Chelsea. Just an odd statistic as we wrap up here, including those 2009 games that were both draws in which Chelsea should have won, certainly should have won that second game. Even you give one of those penalties, they win it. So, uh, not moral football doesn't always win out. We're, we are in an era of economic reality. We are in an era of global eyes on the game. And we are in an era when England, the English League, partly through the exportation of the English language to former British colonies and because of the commercial success, uh, commercial and business interests of the United States, that's the reason why a lot of these people speak English in these countries. It isn't just because they were former British colonies. Because in a lot of places, they weren't former British colonies. But the, uh, the upper classes in those countries speak English because of, of the economic interests of the economic world, that capitalist world that the United States has put in place. Regardless of what you think of that, I'm not a great fan of American capitalism, personally. But it is, again, reality. And this is capitalism, again. This, this league, this, in this sport, is the dominant world uh, fixture beyond the international game. And whenever Messi and Ronaldo are on your TV screens, it is the Premier League in England that drive that pushes the needle, pushes the envelope, drives the ratings for this sport. And unfortunately, for those who love European football, it might mean England, the birthplace of the game, or the, the place where the the the, the game the, the rules of the game were codified, because the birthplace of the game probably was Scotland. Uh, but England, the, the place which gave so much to this game, has given so much to this game. Their clubs just aren't going to take European competition, the granddaddy of all club competitions, the UEFA Champions League, as seriously going forward. It's just the reality. That's why we're where we are. That's why we're in a position where England is going to lose, in all likelihood, sooner or later, their fourth Champions League spot to Italy, where emphasis on European competition is much more important. So once again, thank you for joining us here at Divers and Cheats. You can find us at Rabble.tv and WorldSoccerTalk.com. You can find me at Twitter at KKFLA737. Good night and enjoy your football.